Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I am Jason Kong and I have the pleasure of being here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? I'm good. I I hope you are, Jason. I'm doing wonderful, Bill. I (laughs) always enjoy doing the program with you. I I always learn a lot. Well... It's a lot of fun for me. That's that's what it's about. Hope, hopefully, uh, it, there's a there are always nuggets that uh, folks can take away from our show. I think most people do because you do a you do a good job of explaining some things that are you know in my opinion pretty complex and breaking them down into ways that we can mm-hmm. all understand. Yeah, I can, I appreciate that. Uh, well, uh, today and and I've uh, as many of us have. Uh, our ta- our thoughts have been um, about Easter, uh, and of course, this is the Easter season um, in a big way. Uh, and I've I've just been thinking uh, a, a lot about that. And of course, uh, this time of year is uh, about far more than celebration. And of course, um, from my own perspective, and of course, um, you, you know, it, it's uh, more about uh, than just attending uh, a wonderful church service on on Easter Sunday. And of course, uh, most of us won't even have that pleasure. <laughs> but you know, uh, the fact is, I think the the. The, the thing that I enjoy the most about the Easter service, um, and I, I, there's probably a number of folks out there uh, who would agree with me, but it, it's the Hallelujah Chorus. And uh, it, it's just a, a wonderful conclusion, if you will, for Easter Sunday. Uh, and it's something that our church choir has always just been magnificent in terms of uh, performing the the Alleluia chorus. But but the the thing about the Easter season is that it's more than just a lot more than just celebration, and and it, it's a, a it's a two sided coin to some degree. Um, because uh, Easter is truthfully a, a time of highs and lows, and you can't forget about the lows in terms of getting to the high, uh, because Easter is just as much, if you will, a time of betrayal. It's a time of denial. Uh, it's a time of darkness before the light and it's a time of pain and suffering um you know uh the saturday uh before easter sunday is the end of lent and i i that's really what got me thinking about this because most of us know that Lent is a time where you give up things, but a lot of folks don't really know why. And and it's it's you know Lent starts on what's called Ash Wednesday, and for there are an awful lot of folks that the only thing that they know about Ash Wednesday is that's when Mardi Gras. <laughs> occurs down in New Orleans and and of course 
um, uh, that's a big celebration, of course, uh, preparing, you know, getting it all out before you give everything up is what Mardi, Mardi Gras is all, uh, all about. Uh, but of course, that was canceled this year, too. And, and it's like we, the whole world, but particularly here, it feels like we've been in Lent for a whole year. But <laughs> it's like everybody's ready for to, for the light to shine and for us to be able to to get back to not having to give up uh, our normalcy, if you will. But uh, but basically, Lent uh, is for forty days, uh, starting on Ash Wednesday and ending uh, Saturday before Easter. And it's to actually replicate uh, uh, Jesus Christ's sacrifice um, and withdrawal into the desert for 40 days, you know, prior to uh, Easter, if you will. And so um, that's why, I mean, that, that replicating his sacrifice is what Lynn is. And so it's where uh, we are supposed to fast, and fast meaning giving up certain foods or food uh, and festivities, you know. So, uh, and some folks, it's giving up chocolate. For others, it's giving up dessert. For others, it's it's giving up something that you enjoy um, in terms of that sacrifice. And of course, I don't know how much folks have been giving up food during this pandemic because <laughs> there are an awful lot of folks complaining about having gained weight instead of uh, losing weight. And, of course, part of Lent is uh, not eating meat on Fridays during Lent uh, and Good Friday being the, the most significant day you know, of, of uh, giving up, if you will. So, you know, from from our from my perspective, uh, it is a matter of appreciating uh, the darkness to the light, if you will. And of course, the most wonderful thing about Easter is that it is a celebration of a victory of life over death, and it, and it's. Um, it's uh, uh, the a new beginning. It's the sunrise after the you know you have sunset and then you know the dark side and then sunrise with the new beginning for the new day, the new life, the new everything. And it's that's what it's all about. So um, and I but I the thing about it is is that I do think it's important. Uh, for folks to acknowledge uh, the fact that it's two-sided, that you know that that you, you have it, there is a part of it of going through darkness in order to get to the light, and and because none of us live a perfect life, <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing. There's not a soul out out there who never faces difficulties, that doesn't have tragedy, that doesn't uh, suffer pain of some sort or another. And um, it, it's just our common humanity, if it will. Uh, but the good news is that it can get better. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So I, I know that, you know, I hope that, that my comments are actually um, – uh, taken in the in the right 
vein, if you will, and and there's that 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 my attitude is far uh, optimistic. It's it's because truthfully, from my own perspective, um, I think life is an opportunity, and it and it should be looked at uh, as uh, in an optimistic way. Uh, all of us are far better people when we look at the glass half full as opposed to half empty. <laughs> you know, that's it's really important. But part of the reason that I've been thinking ab- about Lent and uh, the, the harder side, if, if you will, is because uh, there are, uh, I want to talk about what um, families should do, uh, and sometimes it's just one person, uh, when they lose a loved one, you know what? What's it about? You know, there's more to it than just the legal side of it, uh, and and frankly, but that's that's what I really want to get into this morning, uh, at least to start talking about things that might help folks uh, through that uh, difficult period of losing a loved one. It is extremely difficult, and you know it's it's often overwhelming, and sometimes it, it can be unforeseen. So uh, there's a lot going on. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. I want to remind everyone that Bill has his free seminars coming up on Wednesday, April 14th. There's still plenty of time for you to register. It is free to register. All you have to do is go to WGA Law. And click on the seminars button. Bill hosts two wonderful seminars. These are in the form of webinars currently, and you can uh, view them from the comfort of your own home. All you need is a computer or smartphone with internet access and an email address, and you're good to go. Bill's two seminars focused on long-term care assistance as well as asset protection and trust planning. These are very educational and extremely informative. There's a lot of misinformation surrounding these topics, and Bill helps boil down what you need to know. All you have to do is go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button, or if you prefer to call the office, the way to do that is 919-256-7000, Seven thousand. We'll continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill. Before the break, we were talking about uh, you know there's there's a lot that goes on when a loved one dies, and it uh, it's more than just the legal aspect of things. No question about it. And and in fact, uh, it's a time of stress. It's a um, and because and why is it stress? Nobody likes change, and no one likes losing an important member of the family, a loved one. Uh, it, it's difficult, even in the best of circumstances, and it doesn't matter if it if the death occurs um, as a total surprise or is absolutely expected. Yeah, you know, the fact is that when death occurs, all of us feel a profound loss, and um, it's it's it, it, sometimes it, it feels lonely. It's depressing. Um, 
initially, and it's hard to get your head screwed on straight when that occurs. In fact, that's one of the reasons that uh, good professionals will tell, particularly when you lose your spouse, um, it's important to uh, delay major decisions. And uh, for most folks, their brain is pretty foggy for at least several months, if not six months. And so most good professionals will tell you to delay any major decision-making for at least six months. Uh, but, uh, you know, for most families, it's like, okay, what do I do now? Do, I need, do, I, do we rush to see the lawyer? And the answer is absolutely not. There is no race to the courthouse. There's no race to see a lawyer quickly. Um, although seeing uh, an estate planning attorney, an attorney who does uh, estate administration, trust administration, is helpful and needed, but it's not necessarily an immediate thing. It's not something you can put off for months, but it's not the thing you don't need to go see the lawyer the next day. The, the fact is, initially, it's about taking care of yourself, taking care of your family, um, getting the funeral arranged. Um, it, you know, there's... Um, the fact is is that people that's the most important thing it is getting ready to see family if you will because uh, one of the I, I guess you could call it one of the good things about a funeral is it brings families together it's um, uh, you, you know weddings and funerals are the time unfortunately for most of us that, that those are the only times that we we get to see extended family is is uh, during those two times and you know we all need to do a better job of of uh, having reunions and getting together at times other than that but uh, a, a funeral at least in in the light of Easter if you will is actually a time to celebrate I'll never forget um, when my mother died and it, that was my when my father died. It was totally unexpected, um, and it was difficult because it was unexpected. When my mother died, it was exactly the opposite. She went downhill over a period of time, but at the same time, when she actually died, it was still a difficult process. And I'll never forget driving down to Kannapolis after my mother died to make the funeral arrangements, I was simply in a funk. Uh, I mean, it was like it's, it, her life, it's over. I was depressed. I was in a funk. And then, out of the blue, uh, a college friend called me up, and, and he, he had no clue that my mother had died. He was just calling me for whatever reason. And he shared with me the story of the death of his grandmother in which their family um, somehow got through the funk and threw a big party <laughs> and celebrated. And that phone call just lifted my spirits completely and it changed my whole attitude about my mother's funeral, that it's like, get get out of it, kid. I mean, basically, this is a time to celebrate her life. And I think that's important for folks to recognize that 
as you got to get through your own depression and really celebrate what's occurred uh, in another fashion and not only celebrate the life lived, but the time with family. You, you know, you've really missed an opportunity to celebrate those who are still with us uh, and to enjoy their company and to enjoy their sympathy and to enjoy the time together. I mean, to me, that truthfully is a really important time for for folks to appreciate. Um, And you know that's a really important thing. Okay, so now we've we've done that, and I would also suggest this, <laughs> and this comes from my own experience too. Um, for those seniors who um, want to um, to help their family through a funeral, if they can at least write down uh, for the family what they want. For their funeral, I know that sounds a little macabre, but but the fact is, is that um, it's really helpful. I mean, when my mother died, it was the most delightful thing that she had her service written down for us, so we knew what passages of scripture were important to her. We knew what hymns that she wanted. We knew what uh, pastors she wanted there. Um, uh, and I mean, basically, it was all there for it. Made it so easy for us because the the details of the funeral were easy once we didn't have to worry about how the funeral itself should be conducted. So I would encourage anyone to write that down. Uh, I mean, it's more than just I want to be cremated or I want to be buried and I want to be buried here. You know, your ashes can be buried just like a body can be buried. Those, to me, are easy decisions. Um, for some, it, uh, for those decisions um, are complicated. You know, they're, but, you know, clearly uh, cremations are far more common today. Uh, it's not that it's much less expensive, but... Uh, it, it, and that, I think, has more to do with it than anything. But that, even if you have grave plots, it doesn't mean that you can't take a shovel and have your ashes placed in a, a particular place. So, you know, th- those uh, are decisions that typically are made well in advance by folks based on what they want for themselves. Uh, and, of course, for those folks who actually prefer want to be buried, I think it's also important for those folks to have it paid for in advance uh, because the fact is is that at at the end of a lifetime sometimes the money's tight and it can be difficult to justify spending twelve to fifteen thousand dollars to have a, a person buried particularly if there's no money or very little money at that at that point in, in time so for for those who that that is an important thing for them Having some kind of a funeral, prepaid funeral plan is extremely helpful. But the main thing for folks to know is it's not a race to see the lawyer. Uh, most uh, folks don't even uh, know where to look for the last will and testament 
un, until after the funeral. I mean, for, for a lot of folks, it's not even thought about until after the funeral. So don't put your funeral arrangements in your last will and testament. That is not the place to put it. You'll be very disappointed if you do. So uh, that that's an important uh, thing uh, to to uh, do, but there's an awful lot. I mean, first of all, you have to understand that you can't do a whole lot until you have a death certificate. And it takes about, in most cases, about 10 business days to get a, uh, a death certificate. So for, some most, for most folks, it's about two weeks to get the death certificate. Um, and it's then that you can actually start doing the business part uh, of um, uh, of after a death. Uh, now I, I know we need to take a break, and so when I want to, I want to come back and I want to talk about the easy stuff and the difficult stuff when it comes to that. <laughs> well, we will sort that out, and we look forward to that conversation. Don't forget, wgalaw.com is the place to go to find more information about Bill. That's also where you can register for his seminars dealing on long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning, wgalaw.com. Picking back on our conversation right after this, stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And uh, Bill, we're talking about what happens when a loved one dies. And uh, before the break, you tease that there's there's some easy things to do and some not so easy things to do. No question. And well, first of all, once you get the death certificate, then there's some easy things that most families can do without any problem whatsoever and without an attorney. And um, and uh, if folks know what to do, which most people don't, then uh, seeing an attorney is n- not absolutely uh, a necessity, although 99% of the folks out there uh, do a whole lot better <laughs> with some help. Uh, but what are the easy things? Well, first of all, if there's a life insurance policy – uh, then it, with the death certificate and filling out a form, and if you have the policy, it makes it even easier, uh, then you send it into the insurance company and, and the beneficiaries wait for their check. And because it doesn't require any kind of administration of an estate to receive life insurance proceeds, as long as one thing is present. You know what that is? I do not. It's real simple. A beneficiary designation on the policy and there are times when folks do not have a beneficiary. Why? Because uh, they may have uh, they may have done this policy thirty or forty years ago or more, and their spouse was the named beneficiary. And at the time they bought the policy, they didn't have any children, and they didn't have any contingent beneficiaries named. And the, and the spouse died first, so. The policy was never updated. Happens all the time. So in those cases, you do have to have uh, letters testamentary from the clerk of superior court in order to get those proceeds because the life insurance company doesn't, it goes to the estate of the deceased under those circumstances. 
Now, the other easy one are retirement accounts because, again, you have beneficiary designations. And, of course, the only time it's a problem is when someone has not updated their beneficiary designations over time to include the, the children as contingent beneficiaries or, or the like. Um, so, obviously, those can be very easy for a family to do, or they may run into a brick wall because the deceased did not do what they should have done prior to their death as it related to those, those assets. Another area where it's um, fairly easy, with one caveat, is when there is an account which is held jointly, joint with right of survivorship. Well, again, those are going to go by the contract at the bank or in the investment house uh, or the credit union, wherever the account is, uh, because that is like a beneficiary designation. Uh, and because it's joint ownership with right of survivorship. And fortunately or unfortunately at times, when a senior goes to the bank with, for instance, a child, the bank 99% of the time sets up the account as joint with right of survivorship. And sometimes that ownership is not really the intention of the deceased. Uh, oftentimes, they're doing that just so their child can pay the bills, write the checks, you know, those kinds of things. And so there's always a question when it's not a spouse as to the intention of the deceased when you have a right of survivorship account as to whether the person, um, particularly if there's more than one child involved, in other words, you got three or four children, uh, or more, more than one, I should say, and one child is on the account with joint with right of survivorship. Legally, technically, the uh, entire account, subject to debts, is belongs to the joint owner as the survivor of the account. But there is also the caveat that if it was not the deceased's intention for that child to um, get more, uh, than the other children, <clears throat> then guess what? Uh, it should it should be. I mean, because sometimes there are lawsuits over a large account where a child said, "Oh yeah, Dad intended for me to get it," but really did not. And so the 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 question there is whether the account was set up for the convenience of the deceased in terms of their child being able to pay the bills and that sort of thing, and not the intention of the deceased for that child to to get more than the other children. Uh, and see, the other thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that the last will and testament is the last thing in line as to priority over how an estate is distributed. In other words, if all of the property is, is uh, distributed based on a beneficiary designation or rights of survivorship, or with real estate, spouses typically own their property as tenants in uh, based tenants of the entireties, which is basically very similar to survivorship. So the survivor between the spouses. Uh, becomes the owner of the property immediately upon the death of their spouse. 
And, of course, you can also own property as joint tenants with right of survivorships or not. So there's a lot of different ways to have co-ownership of real estate. But uh, And so uh, those joint ownerships with survivorship, whether it's real estate, bank accounts, investment accounts, beneficiary designation. So particularly for a lot of spouses, the way people own their title basically uh, takes priority over everything else. And as a result of that, uh, folks with a fairly simple estate, the spouse has very little to do legally at the courthouse uh, when their spouse dies. Uh, And for a lot of spouses, um, all we have to do is do what's called a spousal year's allowance. which allows us to transfer automobiles, vehicles, and other uh, property from the deceased to the surviving spouse because the surviving spouse has a priority over it. And that's a very simple process with the clerk of superior court. Uh, it's not an estate administration, it, and it's very fast. It, it's uh, because the spouse is entitled to the first $60,000 uh, in front of creditors and everything else, it's like, okay, here it is. So it's uh, sometimes with a surviving spouse, that's all we have to do. We, we might file the will. We might probate it in some cases without an administration. But, you know, there's a lot of things like that that uh, are fairly um, straightforward. The second death, of course, is far more complicated with, with spouses because when it gets to the children— then that normally takes a full administration of the last will and testament. So um, now, what's the hardest part? Well, I guess we better take a break. When we come back, I'll talk about the hardest part. (laughs) We will get to the hardest part right after this. Stick around. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to find more information about Bill. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with him, that's the best way to do it. You can also call the office 919-256-256. 7,000, 919-256-7,000. And don't forget, WGALaw.com is also where you can register for Bill's free seminars. Next set coming up on Wednesday, April 14th. If you're interested in learning more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning, don't wait. Go ahead and register now for those next set of seminars happening on Wednesday, April 14th. WGALaw.com is the website to go to. Just click on that seminars button. We will be right back after this. Stick around. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is the website where you can find more information about Bill and his team. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill, we're talking about what we need to do when a loved one dies. We've talked about, uh, you know, the the death certificate is kind of the first step, and uh, after that, there are some easy things to do, which you kind of outlined, and making sure we follow up on beneficiary designations and the ramifications of those, and. Uh, now, Billy, there's there's some hard things that we got to get to. <laughs> well, uh, it's actually the practical stuff and, and the stuff that the lawyer doesn't help you with that is the hard part. And the biggest thing for most folks is taking care of the house. 
Um, obviously, securing the house is extremely important. You know, in other words, making sure it's locked up tight unless somebody's living there. Um, and it's also important uh, because recognizing that there are crooks out there uh, who uh, they, they look at the obituaries, they look and see when people have died, and they use those opportunities to break in a home and steal anything that's valuable. And off, guess, guess when they break in? During the funeral, because oftentimes, uh, you know, the funeral is published and people know. So guess what? It is important uh, to prevent that, and the way to prevent it is to make sure there is a trusted person that you can talk into staying at the house while the funeral goes on. Sometimes that might be a neighbor or a friend, or it could be a family member if, if, if uh, <laughs> you have to do it that way. But the it is important that somebody be at the home uh, during the funeral service because that is a, a big time when the, the, the scoundrels are basically ready to pounce. And since we're talking about scoundrels, I'm going to go back in a second as it relates to um, the difficult part. Uh, I think people might already have a clue as to what I'm going to talk about. But when it comes to crooks, it's also important for uh, for folks to um, freeze the credit of your deceased loved one. Uh, make sure that all the credit bureaus know that the deceased has died. Um, uh, that is really important. It's also um, and it's because. There are scoundrels out there that they use a death to steal identities. Uh, and guess what? They're, they're going to try to establish credit, and then they use that credit. And, and if you don't uh, prevent it, sometimes they're capable of using credit for years. I mean, it can be um, – and, and it's the, the sad part is it's almost impossible to get any law enforcement agent to help you through it. It's, they, they almost don't even look like – act like it's a crime when it's a very serious crime. But it's very difficult for law enforcement to do much about it or, or they don't have the resources or they'll find 100 different excuses not to help you. So you're on your own. And, you know, uh, prevention is, uh, is worth a heck of a lot more than what is an ounce of cure or whatever, but it's, I, don't, I can't remember the expression, but you know what it is. The bottom line is if you can prevent these scoundrels from being able to take advantage, uh, that's really important. And so obviously uh, being able to report that to the credit bureau within a day of the time that your loved one dies. And it's, it's, it's not the kind of thing people are thinking about, but it's also important to do. So obviously, securing the house, particularly if no one is, is living there at the time of the death of your loved one, uh, is huge. Uh, re, you know, uh, letting the, the local uh, sheriff or police uh, know that uh, they need to patrol the area more uh, and and that's some that is something that they will accommodate. Uh, you know, if they know that the house is vacant and and um, at least for a while, they give you a little bit of time to get your act together, 
And of course, the other thing is how what to do about all the stuff. That's the most difficult thing. That's the hardest work if you get right down to it. It's not paying the bills. It's what are we going to do with all the stuff and getting the house ready to um, uh, you know distribute the furniture and possessions and things like that. That that um, and, and see the other the difficulty is that the children don't want the furniture. You know, that it, 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 if you're lucky, you have grandchildren who are uh, embracing, oh, yeah, we need that. But the fact is it's getting harder and harder because a lot of the young people don't want the big furniture that, that you might have. You know, and the same thing is true for valuable antiques. Right now it's hard to sell antiques because – uh, spaces are smaller, and the big furniture doesn't fit, so they're going to Ikea <laughs> rather than uh, uh, taking uh, the, the furniture that's available to them. So sometimes it's a matter of uh, seeing what people want and, and getting it distributed. Uh, oftentimes, mom or dad might have what's called a memorandum for per- tangible personal property, and they want certain things to go to certain people. And, of course, it's important to make sure that before anything gets gone that you honor that memorandum. That That's really important. And then what's not on the memorandum, which is going to be most of the stuff, then it's going to be the executor's duty to make sure that everybody gets their share or what they're supposed to or that um, things go uh, to the trash or they go to Goodwill or or Salvation Army or another agency that can use um, the uh, things that you might be able to give, whether it's clothing or furniture. Uh, Habitats uh, and the ReStore is another place where furniture can go uh, to be donated. Um, there, you know, l- l- most folks know these kind of things, but that's the hardest part of do- doing an estate. Um, you know, with with uh, retirement accounts, it's also a matter of contacting the financial advisor, getting some advice, because there are options for a lot of folks. And of course, the Secure Act uh, has made it far more complicated now in terms of how to manage. A retirement account, uh, particularly for those other than the spouse. Um, you know, there's some exceptions to the rule, but most most folks now only have 10 years to distribute even very large retirement accounts. Uh, the rules changed. You know, there's no longer the lifetime distribution rules on retirement accounts. So getting good financial advice on how to make those distributions timely is uh, is is huge, uh, and of course, one of the concerns that a lot of parents have is is that they're afraid that their children will take it all at once, and that is almost always a huge mistake unless it's a very very small account, um, because you have ordinary income tax related to anything that's distributed from a regular retirement account. Uh, so the only exception to that is a Roth, uh, <laughs> and so. Uh, and and there's actually uh, a, a a good way to take a Roth as opposed to just taking it all at once. So you should actually leave it there and let it accumulate for ten years before you take it. <laughs> That's sort of an, a very important concept in terms of of uh, what it does for you. So um, 
you know, and for some folks, uh, th- there's plenty of grandchildren and others who are more than happy to take things, and oftentimes the children will take the sentimental things, uh, the artwork, the you know things that they grew up with. They they want something. That's important to everyone, I think. Um, but as it relates to getting the house clean and cleaned out and everything out of the attic and all the other stuff, getting it ready to to sell or rent or whatever the family's going to do, that's the real hard work. And uh, there, there's also another piece to it that a lot of folks don't understand, and that is, and this is quirky to North Carolina, real estate in North Carolina uh, goes to the devisees, in other words, the person you leave it to, uh, immediately upon death. So, in other words, if if you if you have a will that's fairly typical that says I leave everything to my spouse and then to my children equally, and you, let's just say you have two or three kids, or one child, it really doesn't matter when it comes to real estate. The moment that will is probated. The real estate, the home with all the stuff in it and any other properties that you have belong to whomever you've left it to. And what that means is, is that you can't use the money in the estate where all the money is to pay the bills for the house. So in essence, you can't use the estate money to pay the utilities or to pay for the taxes or the insurance or the upkeep or fixing it up to get it ready to sell or rent or whatever you're going to do, the bottom line is that has to come out of your own pocket, not out of the estate resources. So the the, <laughs> the on, now the only exception to that is if your will basically directs the executor to take possession of the home and to sell it. If you do that, then the clerk's going to allow you to pay for the expenses of the house uh, out of the estate. But, you know, not everybody wants the house sold at your death. So that's an important decision to make when you create your last will and testament. And it's all because North Carolina law is a little different from other states when it comes to how real estate passes upon death. So I, I hope that helps a little bit as it relates to... Uh, so many of these decisions as uh, as it comes. But the most important thing is take care of yourself, celebrate, uh, and, and then uh, recognize, enjoy your family, and then it's get to work. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need some uh, guidance along the way with some of that work and you need to get a hold of an attorney, you can always schedule an appointment to speak with Bill WGA Law. Dot com is a great way to do that. You can also find information about Bill's seminars as well if you click on the seminars button at WGALaw.com. Don't forget you can also call the office at 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. Taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and uh, we're winding up the show here. Bill, I thought we crammed in a lot of good information here today. so. Well, last thought is this, is, is that all my clients want to keep absolute control till the very end. 
And that actually is a negative. One of the most important things that that you can do for your spouse or the child who's going to be in charge is to share your finances. You know, the most difficult thing is when a spouse loses the person who's always paid the bills and they don't have a clue what's going on. That makes it so difficult. And it's really important that you share with your spouse or the child in charge what needs to be done, where the money is, where the accounts are. One of the things we do is what's called a digital release because it's so much harder today to figure out where everything is because people don't get paper statements anymore. Years ago, we just had to wait a month. We'd get all the paper statements. We'd know everything. But now everything's online. Sharing your your usernames and passwords so that people know where to go to get the information they need to handle your estate. So important today. That's wonderful advice. And if you need uh, help getting those documents set up, get a hold of Bill. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great day.